respect had the sweat just the cash checks working from sunrise to set every day gets no trades or talents barely scraping okay so uh welcome to the mistakes were made podcast uh with me tonight I'm Al and with me tonight are uh go ahead and introduce yourselves I'm Rudy I'm a co-host usually I missed last week, which means I feel like I've missed like a ton of time because we also took a hiatus in there on accident. So I feel like this is my first time back in a long time, even though I've only missed one episode. Go ahead. Well, well to the humble listener, <laughs> you you were just on like two weeks ago, but we recorded that real or like in July first, I think. So yeah. <laughs> you haven't cool. been on in a while, but you've been in their ears recently. Perfect. <laughs> It sounds kind of gross, <laughs> but moving forward. And also with us tonight is... I am Justin. I am a local player in the same area that Rudy is from. Very cool. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Some here, might so say he's in my local. Do you want to give us a... Yes. Uh, oh, what's the word? It's like a 30-second run. What's your elevator pitch? What do you play? Who do you play? Why do you play Malifaux? What was your first miniatures game? That kind of stuff. Gaming history. Ah, okay. Well, I started with Warhammer 40k back in middle school, like I assume everyone does ever. So, uh... Yeah, played that for a while, moved from that to Fantasy, and from there to War Machine, and ended up in Malifaux, and have been thoroughly enjoying myself ever since. So, uh, I'm primarily an outcast player, but I've been uh, dipping a toe into guild lately, especially with uh, the new Wave 4 stuff coming out and catching my interest. So, yeah. That's going to play a major part in our uh, breakdown of the tournament, because he definitely did not play outcasts in the tournament. <laughs> nope, I was having a lot of fun with that. Very cool. Well, I don't have any announcements. I don't think there's... Anything really relevant to talk about there? So do we there's, just... a, a, oh, there's a there's well. a TFL league. There's a bunch of okay. So there are a bunch of tournaments that are happening up in Seattle, which are cool. Uh, but I don't know what all of them are unless I go to the Facebook page. And what I'm really going to say instead is, if you are in the Northwest, there are three groups that you should probably be joining. One of them, uh, besides you know Weird Place, WC, WC, WGC Gaming. World Game, World, WGC, World Gaming Consortium? Yeah, anyway. Uh, WGC Malifaux, that's what it is. Uh, but if you're in the Northwest, you should be getting on. Uh, Breaching the Emerald City, which is the Seattle area Malifaux group. Malifaux PDX, which is the Portland area Malifaux group. And Jefferson State Malifaux, which is the Southern Oregon, Northern Californian uh, group, run by uh, the guy who ran the tournament that we went down to Medford for. So, yeah, those, those three are sort of the places where we do announcements for tournaments and and, uh, and leagues and things like that. So, yeah, that's the announcement. So if you're in the Northwest, get on those things. And if you're looking for events, that's where you're going to find them. Very good. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, Gen Con happened. Uh, sure did. We had our Gen Cant episode with Adam last week, or a couple weeks ago now. But, uh, we're uh, ready to talk about another tournament that happened, right? Yeah. Cool. I think I mentioned this was... that it happened on the last podcast, but uh, we'll get some details yeah. now. It happened before Gen Con was out. Otherwise, we would have seen Wave 4 Masters in there, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, yes, it was a good time. would have. Mm-hmm. I would have been playing them. <laughs> you, you, it, was a, it was a fully painted, fully based uh, tournament, so it would have been a, it would have been a push. Even like if you had gotten them the day before the tournament, would you have stayed up all night to in order to play Nelly? Uh, probably. You saw me paint Parker Barrows like from eight o'clock to playing you on Tuesday. That's true. <laughs> Point. Because I'm slightly insane in that regard. Well, you get in a groove and you just do it. You know, I haven't had a groove like that since I think Brewmaster. Uh, I was able to I was able to to just sit down and paint all a brewmaster, but that was because I was up in the lake house with Claire, and it was like I should do a craft. I should not just sit on my sit on the couch and play uh, solitaire all day. Maybe I'll paint some stuff. So I was able to knock through uh, brewmaster pretty easily like that. It was fun. Uh, maybe Ophelia too, but that was before that too. Anyway. Um, so yeah, OFCC is the is the the, uh, the Ordo Fanaticus Club Challenge uh, is the one that we're going to be talking about today, 
And that was a event that I ran, which is sort of the biggest uh, event that I've run yet. I've run two events so far. One of them was a four-man round robin uh, accidentally. And one of them was uh, this, OCC, which was a a 10-person tournament. We had some people come down from Seattle. We had some locals come down. We had some people come up from Salem uh, and Corvallis. So we had a nice little smattering of the uh, of the region. We didn't have usually we have our Canadians, but apparently because uh, Wet Coast was so recent, they they weren't able to make it down, which is too bad because I love hanging out with those guys. Uh, mostly because they always bring the beer. But uh, it was a we we tried to keep it as close to a, a gaining ground storm as possible. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we were still having an emphasis on making sure everyone was having, was having a good time as opposed to just sort of competing to compete um, because that's sort of the tenant of the Ordo Fanaticus tournaments is they want you to make sure that people are in there to have fun, not necessarily to do like this. So we also did a uh, Gaslight Achievement League that I had uh, that I had written about four or five days before and that ended up being a lot of fun because it was it was like there were things in there like uh, if you want to cheat, your opponent gets to choose a card randomly from your hand, and that's what you cheat with. Um, or play a game where you include all of the contents of your of your primary box. Or play a game where you can uh, include none of the contents of your uh, original master's box. So it was it was uh, just sort of things to sort of change the change the way you play. And a lot of people, like, it ended up being a much closer uh, match than I thought it was going to be uh, when it came down to the gaslight because a lot of people really did sort of go for it, um, which was cool. It was cool to see, and a lot of people had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I I ended up winning that, and, oh, it was super fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had 55 points out of the... I don't even know how many were possible by the end of my first I don't remember game. either. I don't think it was that many, though. I think I think it ended up being something like someone had 30 and you had 34. Uh, it came down to, like, 120 to 135, I think. Oh, really? So, yeah, it was, like, two achievements oh, maybe it was five to a drink. Okay. <laughs> It's <laughs> yeah. one of the achievements was buy the T.O. a drink. <laughs> Luckily, you could only score that one once. Uh, one of the things that I actually put on there, which I think is maybe a little controversial for me looking back at it, was uh, I made two repeatable achievements, one of which was complete your game before uh, before the end of time. Like, make it to round five, I think is what the thing was actually called. Um, and... The other was... That, judge. And that was fine. I think that's good. Encouraging encouraging faster play is always a good thing. The other one was uh, called Quiet Riot, and it says you get through a game without inquiring about, inquiring about a judge, you know. And that one, I think, maybe looking back on it now, is a little less awesome, simply because I, I felt like I was sort of asking people not to bug me, and it wasn't that at all. It was mostly just trying to look for, like, clean clothes to come to solutions on your own, as opposed to you know, asking me to come over to rule on every little thing. Um, so it was, it was, yeah. Looking back on it, I wasn't, I wasn't super like I was, I was conflicted about it going into round one, and I was like, well, okay, maybe if it was just a one-time thing, you know, instead of the repeatable one, you make sure you do one that doesn't have to, and then you stop worrying about it. Anyway, yeah. Well. Uh, so we did uh, five rounds, but only four of them counted. We did a warm-up round with the grudge matchings, matches. I think there was maybe one or two tables that actually had grudged, um, two of the five. And uh, then we took a lunch, because that was the way the schedule worked out. <laughs> and then we did our two, two, two placement games, placing games, uh, after lunch. Then we came back the next morning and played two game, a game, and then a lunch, and then a final round, and then we sort of did our award ceremony and edge at home. It was a good time. I enjoyed running leisurely. It was good, yeah. And there was there was uh, basically an hour and forty five minutes for every round and there was fifteen minutes of setup time. So if you set up early you could get started early. So there's two hours to complete a game. Um in theory. In theory. In theory. Yeah. So yeah. 
I, however, as I did not play in the tournament, I have no idea how to discuss any of the games because I wasn't looking at any of them on the sort of minutia level. Um, all I know is that we had two of each, each faction that was represented, we had two of them. And I know we had two Arcanists, two Neverborn, two Guild, two Neverborn, no Ten Thunders, and no Gremlins. No Ten Thunders, really? I don't think so. Yeah, you're right, right. No Ten Thunders, no Gremlins. Which I played I against Yam Low, so, but he was yeah. Rezzers, so... Yep, yep, yep. Alright. Uh, Justin, what were your thoughts on the tournament? How did uh, you do? I... I had a lot of fun with it, but I have a lot of fun with any tournament that I go into and play, because... I, I have a kind of odd metric for determining what I do and whether I do well with it or not. So I, I tend to play single master in my tournaments just for fun, regardless of the scheme and strategy setup, because I, I kind of find it enjoyable to see what mileage I can get out of any given master. So I went into this tournament playing single master Lucius the whole time, and it was great. <laughs> I... I won the first two games. I, I lost the warm-up game to Matt Beasley, who ended up winning the whole tournament overall. I ended up playing him twice, actually. Both games were yep. awesome. And uh, that was the real problem with the warm-up game was that since it didn't, we didn't want it to actually factor into uh, placements and rankings and stuff. I, I, it, there was a chance that people were going to play each other twice. That was the only game that people had to replay, actually. Pretty sure never played the same person twice, which is cool. And serendipitous, because I certainly didn't plan it that way. Yeah, yeah, that was okay. I, I really enjoyed both games that I played against him, so they were both very good close games. Uh, he played Karis the first game and Ironsides for the last one, which, uh, so the top table was, or was it the top table? Anyway, uh, Lucius versus Ironsides for the last game. It, it was, was. I remember Rudy mentioning that, so... Uh, yeah, that does sound interesting. What, uh, you're playing Lucius in Guild, right? Yes, yes. Lucius in Guild. Hmm. Uh, I had a pretty standard list most of the time. Uh, no, there's not a lot of people who play Lucius, so a standard Lucius list probably doesn't spring to mind for most people. Do you want to go ahead and describe especially what your standard in, Lucius list is? Especially not in Guild, for me at least. Ah, okay. Well, let's see. Uh, I think I took most games a Peacekeeper, because that model is amazing. Though, in my Neverborn game uh, against Micah, I, it didn't do absolutely anything, because it's Willpower 5 against Pandora, so it just kind of sat there. <laughs> and uh, Francisco, because always Francisco. And... One or two Oustringers, usually a Guild Pathfinder, because they're my absolute favorite model in Guild. Those traps are so amazing and I incredibly annoying. Them. I keep seeing them on your side of the table, and I always want them, but I don't own them, so I don't play them. They're also yeah, 10 Thunders, really. <laughs> I know. I've they're played really through Guild and 10 Thunders, and I am going to continue to play Guild and 10 Thunders, and I don't own a single one of them. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, I, but, I mean, the Pathfinder... Like for sure. Yeah, Pathfinder's got From the Shadows and, like, 2, 4, 5 Blast on his gun, and he can just summon those things, which yeah. block charge lanes or slow people down. Or They're they're disproportionately annoying for the, like, 6 of tomes that it costs or 2 soulstones to get them wherever you want them. And I, I love them. They're fantastic. Yeah, so... Hmm, what else? Uh... I think that was Pathfinder, Housestringer, sometimes Hunters. Yeah, those are the, the core, and then you obviously you, you swap in a little bit of mm -hmm. other stuff. Yeah. I'm yeah. Gonna, if I get into Guild, I might have to try Lucius in there. I might fit my, my entertainment a little more, what I enjoy. With the, the new Wave 4 stuff, he got a bit of a buff. Witchling Thralls auto-pass horror duels in there. Nine soulstone minion beat sticks. The, no, the terracotta the warrior. That's the important thing is that they're not immune, so they can take the duel, but they pass it regardless of what you flip. Oh, mm -hmm. Nice. Hmm. I'll have to take a look at those. 
and yeah, then Dasher uh, got his zero cost upgrade, right? Yes. Oh, I love that thing. Cause I, I like Dashiell as a model, but if you're going to take him, then you want to take two riflemen with him, and then instead of a nine-point model, you have, like, 19 points spread across three models. I kind of want to take him with two guild pathfinders instead, because I like them better. Just spends mm. his first turn walking up to them, and you shoot anything to hell. Along with, uh... Awesome. I mean, you could have Master Queeg run around and have them make more traps. But, uh... I didn't have any of these neat toys to play with for the tournament, so I just flung my peacekeeper into things with what lackeys are for. Man, that's that was I think that was the the thing that surprised me the most in my game against it when you were we we played a game once where it was him versus me. I was playing as McCabe. Yeah, I think we talked uh, about that, that in the last right. episode actually, and, and you kept calling the yeah. peacekeeper something else, and it was very confusing. Executioner. So yeah, it was just the surprising how fast this big stompy robot could actually be. Yeah, because you walk Lucius up, and then you swap places, and then you know a peacekeeper is suddenly there, and it can flurry on you, and yeah. it's an eleven points armor to hard to wound beat stick. So if you can't ignore armor, then it's incredibly difficult to take down. It made me want to give a double peacekeeper Hoffman a try, which is something that I, like, almost always I was more of a, a peacekeeper and Howard Langston, or Howard Langston and Rail Gollum, you know, but a double peacekeeper might might make the list at some point in time, because if you, if you obey him and make him walk, uh, or give him the extra push, and then uh, or give him a nimble or whatever, so that you can sort of give him more movement and get him closer so that he can move in and, and flurry, uh, it looks pretty good. Tessellating Magnet on one of them and uh, Debt to the Guild on the other. And then one of them pulls the other one up and the other one beats the hell out of things. Positive twist with the damage, yeah. (laughs) Or throw a program directive on one and Nimble on the other one. And then, uh, like, you put program directive on the one that is going to do the damage. So it has the built in RAM, an extra built in RAM. And then you put the nimble on the other one so that it gets a little extra movement before it pulls the other one forward. Those are Hoffman modifications, right? I've never played against them. Yeah, yeah. Them. Upgrades. Oh my gosh! You can, they're enforcers. Ah. You can put upgrades on them. Yeah, that too. So, but you can also add mods to them after yeah. the game has started. Like, with, if you put that to the guild on them and the program directive, the one that adds rams, they're min damage 5 yeah, or 6. This card, card of the same turn that you burn the, the positive damage and, and card draw. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is a new upgrade. I don't know if this is if this is common knowledge yet, but uh, the Death of the Guild says if they're killed, you get a stone from it. If you once per game, you can draw a card and uh, gain positive one to your minimum damage until the end of turn. Something like that. It's not minimum damage; just plus one to damage. And the thing about that is you don't discard the upgrades, so if that minion dies later, you still get that soul stone back for a one soul stone upgrade. Yeah. It is yeah. fantastic. Especially, and the best part, you put it on your frame for murder target or something like something that's going to be hard to kill, which is going to make them really think about whether they want to expend their resources on that just to give you a soul stone. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Guild came out really well with the Wave 4 upgrades, I think. Yeah. None to the world, too. <laughs> put that in your Peacekeeper and take that, Pandora. <laughs> Immune to conditions. Pandora. I still need I, to play her so I can be afraid of her. I've never been able to beat her. Like all of like, there have been only a couple games where I get utterly crushed, and it's always Pandora. I but think I've gotten pretty close once. I don't know, but I've only played against her I think two or three times. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of them is Melter, and I don't even remember it. I so will, it's interesting. Yeah. I remember the games that I lose badly more than the games that I win well. Probably because you try and remember the lessons you learned from them, right? I, yeah. I remember highlights of games that I do well in mostly, and then just remember that I get crushed most of the time. What a segue. Why don't you give us some highlights from the tournament? Okay, so the single most amusing thing that I did was actually in my last game, where it was Lucius against Ironsides. Which, and, by the way, Battle of the Titans. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's some OP Power Gamer stuff right there. I took uh, Secret Assets, because that's obviously his best upgrade. He doesn't have a zero action, and that sniper shot is fantastic. Uh, 
Then I took Vengeance Bullet on it because I had this idea where he gets positives to attack flips with that shot if uh, if they're near within three inches of a scheme marker. And then I really wanted to cheat in the Red Joker on damage or something to hit someone for nine damage with that sniper shot because it's max damage five with crit strike. So you. Spend a stone for an extra ram, have a ram in hand, cheat in the red joker, and then you pop vengeance bullet on it. And I actually pulled that off against Ironsides and hit her for 9 or 10 damage. I don't remember Maybe how much. With the red joker, it didn't count. <laughs> yeah, I, I cheated it in. It was so good. Uh, Ironsides has a, a, an upgrade that basically lets her ignore red joker damage if it's flipped because she's giving out so many negatives. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you want to throw that on your character because it's like, all right, I mean, you're going to be at a double negative, which is going to turn into a quadruple negative. Flip five cards, or flip four cards, take the worst, and ignore red jokers. So have fun with that. Yeah. But if you cheat it, it doesn't count as having flipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was the single most memorable thing because it's like I've oh, that's that was living the dream right there for that instant was just. Lucius pointing at that's like, die! <laughs> Why don't you tell us about your very first game? Because I think that's my favorite of your stories. Uh, against Karis? Or the first actual tournament game? Oh, against Karis. The, okay. the one where you you had decided at the beginning of the day that you were like, oh, man. Ah, yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, I, I started off, I mean, I was playing to win, but playing to win as Lucius, so I wasn't necessarily expecting to win. But, uh, <laughs> I, but I always try because you you got to. He if you want to work harder. Lucius, for... you show the shake fist, you know. You be... Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's nerd cred right there. So, I was looking at the uh, achievement league things that you could do, and I think I ended up doing five of them in the first game, where I played his entire crew box. I played it by letting my opponent cheat randomly out of my hand. Uh, I don't remember the other. What were the other ones? Uh, I don't remember the list, but I got... You didn't buy me a drink until the next day. You yeah. you finished your game. You Finished the game, got to turn didn't five, judge. didn't call the judge. And there was one more that... Did you flip Black Joker and Red Joker on the same hand? I never did the entire time. Despite on day two, I was trying to go for those even flips to flip three did you, cards. Did you cheat Black Joker and do no damage? No, because I never ended up with it in my hand either. <laughs> it was terrible. I was actively fishing for these things, and I never There was an achievement them. called Psych, where it says, uh, cheat the Black Joker on damage and do no damage, because I didn't want the one round. All right, I'll cheat Black Joker on damage. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, that's that was one of those one. ones where it's like, I'm gonna hit yeah. you. Nope, just joking. <laughs> you have to be high enough to cheat, which is why it's amazing. Exactly. So you have to like really, you have to like, I'm gonna focus. I'm gonna make sure I'm landing a high hit so I can get that cheating damage. Now I'm gonna drop the black joker. So it's gotta want it, and yeah. I just never got it in my hand, or I would have done it. Yeah, I believe you. I believe you would have. Yeah, I was, I was just looking at the whole list of things and systematically going, like, how many of these can I do over the course of my games? I, I think by the end of day one, you had gotten to the point where you were out of ones that you can choose to do, and you just needed things that you could get. Except no, uh... for buy the T.O. a drink, which you did before round one on the second day. You bought me a... I think you bought me a Red Bull or a Monster or something. Yeah, yeah, because you were asleep and I gave you a... Yeah, it was a Monster, I think. Uh... No, the one that I didn't do that I could have chosen to do was play a game without cheating at all. Ah, yeah. Which, if I'd been playing Terror or something, I might have done, because I would have just pitched my hand as fast as possible. But... Because mm. <laughs> I trust in the heart of the cards with her anyway. Yep. Could've I would not have been able that. to do it with uh, Lynch, just because you, you want it, you know? Mm-hmm. Unless, unless you just get to the point where you, you're just discarding cards... So that you can like if you if you discard a card, it's not technically cheating. So it's like if I'm no, you wouldn't be able to use any of your Ten Thunders Brothers tricks. Ugh, never mind. Yep, it's there were definitely crews that a lot of these things were much easier or harder to do. Yeah. So one of our players was uh, mono Jacob lynching, so she couldn't 
not cheat. You know, she was actually the person who came in second place uh, for for the. So the the I had, I awarded I think five awards over the tournament. One of them was uh, of course best uh, TP winner of the tournament, highest ranked player. Uh, we called that one champion. Um, I did one for highest campaign points, which we called legend. Uh, I did one that was best voted best painting, which we called virtuoso. I did that was best sportsman, which we called the bard. And I did one that was um, lowest TP Uni bard because of the Final Fantasy V reference. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she came in second place for Legend, and and Justin eked it out. He was it was really, really stiff competition. Yeah, I I was really happy because both of my locals, uh, actually three. I I I don't know if I consider Michael one of my locals because he never comes to Guardian Games to play, but he's from Hillsborough. Um, he's the he's one of the two Neverwar players. He was he was top tables as well. So three people from Portland were like riding the top tables the whole time. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that <laughs> my or uh, easily from Seattle came down and took our toys away. But uh, he's a hell of a player and he's a hell of a nice guy. So like he was up there in the in the sports votes well as well. So like he was he was beating everyone at every game and still pulling in. Oh man, he's just so much fun to play against, you know. So good for him. Yeah, we tried to get him on. He seemed initially very excited, but then I tried to get a hold of you him. You, if you're listening, uh, via the Facebook, and uh, I couldn't get a hold of you. Couldn't get hold of, and finally, it was just like we we need to get moving. Um, and we had a window for all three of us to be able to get on and, and make this happen, so we did. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good day. He was great. I think he he it was by the time he got to last game. Uh, the only thing that would have knocked him off the top slot would be if Justin had 10 owed him in the last game. The person who was gaming, who was, uh, who was sort of in losers, losers finals, uh, had 10 owed his opponent to sort of shoot past him. But it was like, it was, it was so low odds with his differential coming into the final game. And there had been ties and other people, there was maybe two people who had came came into the last round with two or three wins, no losses. So yeah, he it was it was his game it was his game to win and he won it. So cool. It was still pretty close though. I think we ended nine seven nine five. Yeah. Nice. The other game with him was close too, uh, especially given the circumstance that you didn't ever. Yeah, I only cheated randomly, and I was playing with a full Lucius crew box of, like, two lawyers, Dashiell, Guild Guard. <laughs> yeah, which crew box did it have to be? Could it... <laughs> it could be whatever... It could be oh, the metal yeah. box, it man. It had to be the crew... crew... Oh, yeah, that's true. Because his I metal have. box was, what, Ryle and... No, yeah, yeah uh... Ryle was in his metal box, and, uh... But I don't remember what... There, it was a Guild Guard captain back yes, then. Yes, which is... Which turned into a sergeant and then yeah. like the models for the the captain or the guild sergeant and captain dashel are kind of backwards yes the guild dashel sergeant looks exactly like like the guild sergeant from the old box looks exactly like captain dashel like yeah and then yeah when i was announcing it, i was looking at it and i'm like i already have that model and it's like no you don't i'm like what <laughs> So that was uh Yeah, no, I was very confused weird. when we went into or into N2E and that, yeah, was, from that was the way it was written down. It's um, one of the few times where the model doesn't actually represent what you see on the card really, really which strange. I find kind of confusing. And now we, we might, you know, have an actual reason to play Dashel, so <laughs> Yeah, arrest him as <laughs> a summoning maybe. Up, right? Oh man. I wanna play a uh how cool would it be to play a Sonya created with Captain Dashwell. There's your, there's your guild summoning engine. <laughs> Stalkers. <laughs> and guardsmen just everywhere. All right. Yep. All the four soulstone models. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That would be pretty good. We can make that happen for you, Jay. It's all the same. I have Crid and I have Lucius. Like, yeah, I could work that. 
ideas. Right. <laughs> uh, so s- since uh, Gen Con's happened and since uh, packages have shipped, Justin and I have played three games. Yeah. Yep. And every one of them has involved a new master. And only one of them was a game that I won. <laughs> no, I think we've played two games since then. The oh, first one was... Was it three? We played, we played three. Right! The first right. one was uh, Asami versus... Uh, Asami versus... Nelly. Nelly. And uh, my deck just shat the bed. Um, so I came in with uh, with high hopes. Because my... My other game that I had played with Asami, uh, she'd done very well. She was very good. Um, yeah, you beat the hell out of me that game. <laughs> and uh, and so like it was, I was excited to get back into it. And uh, I just I miss I made a couple misplays. I did have this cool thing where I had brought Sensei Yu and uh, her upgrade that gives her a zero action place within six inches. And so Sensei Yu was able to one action push somebody and give himself focus, then zero action place himself within six inches, and then one action um, push somebody else and give them fast. And that felt really fun. Because my biggest problem with Sensei Yu is I'm, if I want to be able to give someone fast, I either need to have focus on me from something else, which is easy to do with uh, a Shenlong crew. But um, he either has to be stationary or he has to get focus from somewhere else. Or have one saved up from another thing if you took Promising Disciple. Or you have to you, you can't or if you have to move him you can't do it, you know. So to be able to push, then move with a zero action, then push again and give out fast was uh, was awesome. Especially was if you're doing really the cool. same thing. Like if you pu- I think I pushed Ohaguro up from my starting point, zero action to get close enough to do it again and pushed him again and gave him fast. For her, first first turn, um, and then he just got swarmed. Yeah, it was a yeah. challenge because my my deck just stopped giving me good hands and stopped giving me good cards. And anytime I like, I think I got to a straight flip one time, and I pulled up the black joker on it, and oh, it was rough. Stuff back up as he was healing his stuff back up, and. Yeah. yeah, and then I had eight cards in hand every turn because I was playing Nelly. I took the Printing Press and Hannah, as well as Fiona Gage and Sadir. So, eight cards to your six, and then I just had all of the wacky positioning shenanigans, and then I walked Hannah up on top of you to stop you from summoning stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so, I, it took some of that turn anyway. So here's the thought. I'm just curious because I haven't had a chance to play any of the new masters, and I haven't seen any of them played. Uh, how do you think the complexity level level of them compares to like stuff from book two? Uh, that's a good question. I think that I think that a lot of them are near the same level of complexity as say, uh, you know, I, it's hard to know. Yeah, At this I mean, point, we've got like less than yet. five games played. You know, we're yeah. not even to the five games played with well, any of these. Think games. about it on your next couple games, and we'll, uh, you know. Yeah, I really like what all of the ones that I've seen do because they seem yeah. very finesse oriented. Well, I, I, underst- I understand what all of the crews are trying to do, and I like the the concept of all of these crews. <laughs> There's some that are there that are definitely going to fit in my playstyle more. Like I'm not I'm not particularly interested in Sandy. Um, I am super interested in continuing with Asami. Parker Barrows looks great. He's um, so cool. So the, cool. Uh, Titania, I'm not super enthralled by. A lot of people are sort of losing their minds over her because she's she seems very good and she is like she's going to be great. I'm excited, but much like a lot of the Neverborn Masters, I'm just not super into sort of the aesthetic of it. I guess I don't know. I've seen I've seen the models uh, as opposed to the renders now, and they're they're pretty kind of pretty. Um, I can attest yeah, I to picked that. up that box for them. <laughs> I just put them together uh, a couple days ago, and they are they're very pretty models. Yeah, I'm I'm super into playing Riva. I'm super into playing uh, Asami. I'm into playing Parker. I'm into playing Nelly. Z- Zip and 
and Sandeep and Titania interesting interest me not much. But you know me, I'm going to see it on the table at some point in time and be like, you know, maybe I could be into that, and then I'll buy it all because right, I have a little bit of uh, everything. I have uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Imp- That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that was a good discussion there, guys. Yeah! <laughs> now, do we want to pivot? Do we want to try something out? Let's do it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm cool with trying things. Uh, sure. I'll try anything once. Wait. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the last time we were recorded, neither of you were here, and Adam and Ken, we tried out our new segment idea, and they yeah. seemed to like it, and I think uh, maybe we'll try it again. So I don't yeah, know, I listened just, to that. Oh, you that's did cool. listen to it, so you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to just go yeah, over it again. Yeah, you frequently comment on your one listener, and I think that's me. <laughs> uh, so yes. who's going to listen to this episode? Yeah, exactly. Probably me still. Ken. Because <laughs> he's not That's here. true, Ken. Yeah, Ken can listen. That's the trick. We only have, you know, we'll get two, because if we only have one of our, or two of our three hosts on every week, then the other Perfect. host gets to listen. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, this is our debate segment that uh, we're trying out, and we're still look. I've got you know a, a decent list that I made up, but if people want to send in debate ideas, you know, please do. Yes, because uh, create know, content for us. <laughs> some of the ones that I had last week were a little, you know, a little probably not perfect. They were a little uh, too easy, I think. They weren't as balanced as I would have liked. But yeah. I'm coming up with some new ones, and we'll uh, keep adding to the list. And I like I like having a good option, so we can sort of get ones that reflect people's base of knowledge a little bit more yeah. too. So uh, yeah. Well, uh, well, I had a timer last time. I guess I should have that just in <laughs> yeah. case. I don't. We didn't really need it, but it's kind of good to see. To make you know. sure that people are on the up and up. Like if, well, you, just, if you only get two minutes, then you should only get two minutes. Well, and just to make sure we're not like talking about the same thing for thirty minutes, you know, when it's, it's also like true. beating beating a dead horse, you know. All right, I, I mean, I'm for beating dead horses. By the way, that's if, weird. I, if, we're, if that's what we're debating, I'm coming down on the side of four. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I get, think you get more value out of beating a live horse, don't you think? Right, but beating dead horses. falls off, and then he gets reactivated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you can win. So, uh, do we want to randomly decide who's for, who's pro, and who's con, or do we want to let you guys decide? We did that. I, being uh, a gentleman and the host, will give Justin first pick. Uh, we talked about that one a little bit. I'm going to do that one. Uh, let's start with this one. This is a. Gameplay topic. I don't know what your guys' opinions are on this one at all. I've never heard you guys talk about it, so uh, sweet. It'll be fun to hear. Uh, so our first topic up to for debate, and again, Justin's going to pick his side here because Rudy is a gentleman, and uh, yeah. So here, not it to is. imply that Justin is not a gentleman, but yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> So the first topic... I'm certain that guy in the max would agree. Yeah, is a gameplay <laughs> topic, and uh, it is measuring widgets are better than tape measures. What do you think, Justin? Pro or con? Uh, overall, probably pro. Yeah, let's go with that. All right. So I'm going to start the timer, and uh, since you picked the pro, you, you get to go first. So go ahead whenever you're ready, Justin. All right. I would say that measuring widgets are better than tape measures because they are it's it's much easier to access any of the given like you know 1 inch, 2 inch, 3 inches that you need to be measuring rather than trying to fit a tape measure through your terrain, through the different models on the table, kind of eyeballing it leaning all the way over. And if you get the proper widget because I have seen ones that are just 1 inch, 2 inch, 3 inch all the way up to like 1 2 4 6 inches, so you can get some really interesting shaped widgets that'll have, or maybe it was up to five inches. But, uh, you know, you can measure just about anything considering walk six is the upper end of Malifaux. Walk four, walk five is fairly common. You can even use those for movement and nothing has more than a four inch melee range. So just, 
I mean, I use a tape measure, but that's because I don't have an appropriate widget, and I would probably use that if I had one. I should order one. But, uh... <laughs> All right, let's uh, yeah. hear Rudy's opening statement. Uh, Justin, you know that I appreciate you as a mouthful player, as a uh, skilled opponent. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I could not think uh, of, of a topic that you could be more wrong on. Uh, <laughs> I think widgets are widgets a place. <laughs> they, they are an important uh, a part of any gamer's kit. But especially in Malifaux, uh, you, you need to be able to measure those longer ranges. You can do anything with a tape measure. You can do one inch with a tape measure. I've done it. I've done it a lot. You can segment things. You're not supposed to do bendy uh, things, but you can still do it one at a time. It's fine. The most important thing that a tape measure is going to bring to you, especially as an outcast player, which is why I'm a little shocked, you need to be able to measure up to 36 inches because you have snipers. How are you <laughs> going to make sure you're inside of sniping range without a tape measure? Bitter much? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as a 10 times player, have, have, have rocked uh, quite a few numbers of uh, uh, Katanaka Naka snipers, and <laughs> my uh, Guild Ostringers would never be able to measure 18 inches with or without line of sight. And without line of sight, I don't even need to worry about getting into terrain. I can just throw 18 inches above it and see where, where the bubble is and then uh, start making some attack plays. If all I had was a widget, I'd have to do three or four widgets all lined up back to back. So I think that while widgets are an important pack, I would not leave home without my tape measure before I would not leave home without my widget. And that is something that has happened. I, had a, I got the widget from the Breaching the Foe two years ago, and that sat on my desk for about three months because, yeah, it's fine, I don't need it. I got a tape measure. All right, now for time for back and forth. All right, counterpoint. Yeah. So I will agree that a tape measure is a useful and handy thing to have, and... It should be a standard part of any gamer's kit. However, I think that overall, I mean, why would you ever need to measure 36 inches in Malifaux? That's the entire table. Hans can shoot anything that he damn well wants to. So, To be I fair, feel... if you put him in a corner and you go parallax corner to corner, that's more than 36 inches. Just saying. Okay, you can shoot nearly anything that he <laughs> wants to. <laughs> Especially if you take scout the field so he ignores terrain. Uh that (laughs) so i feel that uh when you want that sort of fine distance measuring like is this model engaged with this other model the very important calls it is much easier to make that distinction if you have a widget rather than trying to fit a tape measure in there if something if you're trying to tell whether something is 10 or 12 inches away then it's it's usually pretty easy to eyeball that not that you would want to just eyeball that, but there are times where something is obviously, you have a 12-inch range and it's 8 inches away. Like, obviously not 12. The times where you actively need that tape measure are probably less important overall than the times where you would really, really want that widget, but they both do have their uses. The topic was which one is better, ergo more useful. Mm. So... Mm. So we can both agree that you do want to have both. Yes. Second. Uh, so then, here's my second. My second main point is you need. You definitely need, in order to do things like laying out your table. Unless you have a mass by Mars. Shameless plug. You're welcome, Mario. They're so Call useful. Call me. Uh, I love those maps. If uh, unless you have uh, something that's basically showing you the deployment zones, you're going to need a a a longer in order to be able to lay out the, the field, you know. And uh, making sure that you're inside of the aura for uh, all of the different table quarters and things. Like, they, there are many, many, many varied uses of, of tape measures, and the most important thing is that it can still do all of the jobs of the widget. What if you had multiple widgets, up to and including a ruler? Hmm, hmm, see... Then your kit gets really big. You gotta start carrying yardsticks. <laughs> Yardstick. <laughs> no, you, you know, need four you know, of them to measure the three by three table. Uh, you know those uh, those good old um, oh yeah, man, they're the on carpenter. the they've got the little clicky thingies, the carpenter ones. Yeah, yeah they can they can extend to whatever there length you, you need them to be, and they're demarked so that you can see them inch by inch. But that also is something that's gonna get in the way of, of terrain and stuff. 
obviously the answer is we should go back to using pieces of string that have been pre-measured. You know, actually, interestingly enough, I saw a guy whose widgets were uh, were little machine screw things that screwed into each other. They're like uh, motherboard spacers, but they're an int. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Uh... And together, they just add incrementally, inch by inch, which yes. I thought was a very interesting thing. Like he has one that's basically just the 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 bolt part. And then each of the other one is a, both a bolt and a screw. And so he sort of pre-made all of these little widgets that were at different set things. And if he needed to go down to five, he could just take the end one off and he'd be fine. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Which is an interesting widget, but uh, not at all a tape measure, which means it sucks and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Any farther thoughts from you guys on this this topic? Well, in so debate mode or in debate debate mode? Does anyone want to rebut anything currently? I would like to add that Justin is a rebut hole. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) Well, point made. (laughs) I think that's how we're going to have to end that one, unless Justin wants to rebut that. Rebut uh, my rebuttal. <laughs> you want to stoop to Rudy's I level? I can. Really I think question. I will. I'm going to get into All right. Uh, both are useful, and I recommend getting both. I agree. I think uh, that was not bad. I think Rudy definitely had the easier side on that. I think it's kind of biased, but uh, I I think that I think that if you're starting gaming. If, a tape if you are a first-time Malifaux yeah. player or a first-time miniatures player, a tape measure is going to be the one you want. And if you are getting into higher-level tournament play, that kind of stuff, then a widget is going to become very important for exactly the reasons that you said, which is engagement ranges yeah. and oral ranges and things like that. It's a much cleaner way of measuring the very critical, like, down-to-hair yeah. When you're down to 16th inches and you know that, like, how many times have I gone to measure whether I was in two inches or not and accidentally bumped a model and then been like, well, it looks like you're out now, but maybe that was my fault. Damn it. The amount of times mm-hmm. I've caught, like, a sword with a tape measure and just yanked a model. That happened? Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. That happened during our last game where I came down and measured something and then came back and I was like, wait a minute, where's your bandito? Your bandito is in my hand. How did your bandito get in my hand? <laughs> Magic. Uh, it reminds me of when I was building or basing, magnetizing the base of my Killjoy and I somehow the magnet was just like strong enough that it like sucked the, the base to the metal table next to me and then the model just broke off and like did like 19 backflips across the room. It was very impressive. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very impressive. And that's why I love plastic models so much. Because it did not break. Yes. <laughs> I would never go back to metal models. Uh, but well, yes, he wouldn't have flown uh, nearly as far if you were metal. That's true. He wouldn't have, but he could have killed someone. Someone could have that's died. That's true. <laughs> could have killed your cat or something. But uh, really the, I think well, one of the debates... That was what you used a Chaos Dreadnought for. Oh, so yeah. You just put it in the sock and beat your opponent with it. <laughs> we did that yeah. with Nightmare, Nightmare Lord Chompy. Teddy, yeah. Or Nightmare mm-hmm. Chompy. Uh, so, I guess... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say one argument for widgets that I feel like was real. That's, that's one thing that I really like about widgets that tape measures just don't do. Is that you can have really cool like logos and you know wording, and they can they can serve as like a tournament prize, whereas a tape measure is much less likely right. to do that. So I think that's something yeah. else that the widgets bring also, to the table. Also, once you really have cool. a widget that is going to, once you have a widget, it's going to last. If you have a tape measure, you're sliding that thing in and out. You're you're abusing it. Maybe you're throwing it against the ground mm-hmm. uh, because you're angry or frustrated at a, a, a missed call that you made. I don't know. Not speaking from personal experience, but yeah, I was in the room. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've and, gone through I think three of them. And so a widget, a widget is not going to like once you have that that bling, that bling is going to stick with you. I still have the best Arcanist, even though I don't play Arcanist anymore. Yeah, Justin should have a, best, a, a best outcast. Best outcast but. Yeah, that's one of the things <laughs> I like about them. All right, well, that was a nice little debate there. I think we might have time for one more before Rudy's got to run. What do you think, Rudy? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, this one is a one that is probably very... Uh, okay, so let's... Uh, here's a question that will get you guys to think it. Justin, yes. did you attend or have you in the past attend Breaching the Foe? Yes, I have. All right. 
Cool. That that makes this one relevant to both of you. And uh, I think what we're going to do is randomize this one because I think that'll be fun to see who's on the pro and who's on the con. I've got my 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 uh, light light arcane fate deck here. So uh, high card's going to be on the pro. And do you want to do versus? Huh? Well, no. Wait. What? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Sorry, Whatever. you're good. No, I'm just going to flip for both of you. So, Rudy, you have the Nine of Rams, and Justin, you got the Red Joker. So, you get yes. to be... You get you're to super be, pro. Okay. So, you get you're to super be into this topic. pro. This isn't actually a pro and con, though. It's a which is better sort of thing. So, oh. if someone were to be traveling from out of town to Portland for a Malifaux tournament... And outside activities, should they plan on coming to the Orta Fanaticus Club Challenge or Breaching the Foe? I'd like you to argue for Breaching the Foe. Justin. Okay. And take a second. Well, I'll start the timer, and then uh, whenever you're ready. Hmm. So... I have been to Breaching the Foe for the last two years, and it is always a lot of fun. Maybe three. No, I think two. Yeah, two. And uh, it's been a lot of fun both times. Last year we had, I think, 54 people attending. Does that sound right? Like 50 plus. It was big, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of really nice tables were all set up, but same at OFCC. Uh, and it's it's a very good sort of casual but competitive events because there are several story encounters that are designed which are very different than what most people play normally because normally it's just GG 2016 or standard schemes and stones. So it's, it's a different experience and it's also scored by uh, total victory points rather than tournament points which encourages a less cutthroat, more casual style of play while still being a lot of fun in a game of Malifaux. Because you don't really need to deny your opponent points, you just need to concentrate on scoring your own. So, that's really interesting. And it's always fully painted, fully based, a lot of beautiful models. It's held. Uh, it's been held both years at the awesome Guardian Games, which is our local venue, and is always a lot of fun, and has a bar in the back where the place is held, so you can drink during the event, which leads to a lot of very fun and interesting plays that often get made. <laughs> Not necessarily the optimal ones, but the optimally fun ones. So yeah, it's I, I have a lot of fun at Breaching the Foe every year, and it is a great event and I would highly recommend it. And you usually get a custom fate deck out of it too, which is just a bonus on top of the like entry fee, which is five games of Malifaux, which I'd happily pay for. <laughs> All right, great opening statement. Let's hear from Rudy about the Order Fanaticus Club Challenge. I think that the great tragedy of the Northwest Malapo is that the Order Fanaticus Challenge is getting less players than Breaching the Foe. I think that Breaching Foe is a fantastic uh, uh, event. I just think Order Fanaticus should be the premier Malapo event in the Northwest. Um. So to say that to say that Order Fanaticus is better than uh, Breach from the Foe currently would be a misnomer. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a better attended event, better represented event. I just think that Order Fanaticus, while it is not the better one to come to town, I think it should be a better one to come into town for. And if people started making the journey for this tournament, it would become the premier Northwest uh, tournament. So. Why would you come to OFCC over breaching the foe? Um, first and foremost, in games, which is uh, an excellent venue, it's uh, it, it's in a room that's filled with even more gamers. There there are uh, games from different uh, uh, systems and different publishers, as well as outside uh, representation. We had um, the Ninja Division people there this year, and they were sort of giving away swag and stuff. You get uh, a, a bigger cross. Uh, cross-section of gamers. We actually uh, spent time this year uh, hanging out with people who weren't even Malifaux players. We, we did uh, nerd pub trivia in the event hall afterwards. Um, you are not allowed to drink on the premises, but uh, OFCC does very frequently sell uh, opaque water bottles for with which you can drink water out of. 
Uh, and you can buy drinks from the hotel bar, so you can bring in beers and, 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 and spirits from, from the hotel. They just want to make sure that the things you're bringing in are, are being managed by professionals. Wink, wink. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I think that, I, I think that some of the, some of the biggest things that, that are sort of the main, the main selling points for, uh, OCC overbreaching the floor, the things that were, Okay, so first of all, uh, cost of entry. Reaching the foe costs something like forty dollars, thirty-five if you do it early. Is that correct? Do you remember, Justin? Uh, not off the top of my head. All right, I'll look it up while you continue. Uh, that was X amount that I happily paid to get into both events. Oh, you know what? I'm about to make a, a mistake anyway. Uh, because OFCC was quite a bit of money. Never mind. <laughs> um, so, so the the cost of entry is about the same. Uh, it was fifty dollars. OCC or the, uh, for breaching okay. well, early fifty five for. I think the breaching late. is fifty five. Yeah, it was, was late. The late entry was fifty five. If you got the early bird, it was fifty. Mm-hmm. So it's a little cheaper to get into OCC. Uh, not a whole lot, but a little bit. Um, and uh, the fact that they the fact that they judge with the. Uh, is, is actually something that was highly contested. I, I still kind of come down on the opposite side of that, uh, mostly because I think Malifaux is is very much about uh, play and counterplay. Because if, if if you go to breaching the foe and have five games, and each one of those games is a ten ten tie, yeah, what do you what do you even do? You know, because mm-hmm. um, you're probably going to win with fifty. T- 50 VP and not a single win. It also uh, encourages. That sounds amazing. I, I want that to right. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Just for the story. So, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop it there. This is my weaker argument, and I know it is because. All right. Well, uh, maybe you could focus on the non-tournament related things. That what would be a better time of year, even just to come to Portland. Like, cause it it is a travel thing, and I'm not talking about for locals. I'm talking about oh, that's very true for people to travel. You know, so, is it better to in, come? One uh, of them is done around in, there. You know, that's a good point. Yeah, um, that. Whenever we whenever we go to the OCC, there's also a, a nice little public uh, Saturday market with um, uh, street fair sort of uh, foods and uh, events. So it's nice to get a sort of get out. Even donuts. We had fresh fried donuts. They were so good. Uh, I had a burrito bowl. It's yummy. Um, and uh, and Portland in the summer, Vancouver in the summer is is so like if you live in the south and you are feeling like you cannot beat the heat, come to Portland for OFCC and you will escape that horrible warmth and get into the nice temperate, shady coolness of of the Pacific Northwest climate. I don't remember when OFCC was. I think they're changing the date. Well, uh, so breaching before is like April, and then OFCC is summer, but they're changing it, you're saying? I think they're changing it to fall. Okay. Hey. But either way, if you come to either of those dates, it's probably going to be raining in Portland. <laughs> All right. Justin, if you come you during July, that's about, one of two uh, months that it's not uh-huh. going to be raining. Do you want to comment on anything that uh, April that the spring has to offer in Portland that uh, might interest someone who's traveling? Uh, well, if you like rain, spring is also a good time to come to Portland, just like any other time of the year. If you like rain, but uh, I know Portland is it's very green, so like it's there. There's a lot of trees and just greenery everywhere in town, and it's often at its best in spring, so. On the other hand, if you're coming to play in a Malifaux tournament, you might not be seeing much of the outside. So, <laughs> fair point. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just. I mean, a it depends on what your your goals town. are. I yeah. think if people are coming just for the weekend, or if they want to try and extend it out, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah, it might be easier to make the trip in summer for OFCC, but uh, like breaching the foe also has a lot to recommend. It both are fantastic events, so. You don't have to say that just because I organized one of them. It's okay. I I had an amazing amount of fun at both. I'll tell you this. I am very glad that I'm not organizing OFCC. I'm sorry, not or, or not organizing uh, Breach in the Foe because it means I do get to go to it. 
Yes. <laughs> All right. So, other other fun things. If you come for Breaching the Foe, you can play against Rudy. Yeah. Hey, okay, look at that. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I mean, that that might be just the selling point right there, you know. Yeah. I went, I you went can come, to a deaf guy come, to play against if Rudy. You come to, <laughs> if you come to OFCC or Breaching the Foe, you could play against both one of the hosts of Mistakes Were Made and the host of Before We Begin. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a good disc golf tournament. Fridays. At OFCC, I played one game, and it was against Dan from before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that was fun, guys. Uh, I think... Yeah, no, I think there's a clear winner on that nice. one. But, uh, yeah, I think it's... I mean, obviously, it depends on a lot of stuff when you're traveling, but Breaching the Foe does you know, just have the... I think it has the built-in momentum there with... Yeah. Being the bigger tournament already in the Fate deck, although I think the outside stuff at uh, the OFCC could be a selling point. You know, if you want more of like a small convention type feel than a, just a tournament, yeah, that does sound pretty I think, nice. I think that really is the more interesting thing because you get to like you get to wander around the uh, event hall and look at you know the crazy Warhammer and War Machine uh, event uh, display boards and stuff. Like yeah. the 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 Warhammer fantasy guys out there really do go for it. And so do the with the 40k guys. Like they're pretty impressive table display out there. Definitely. They're also too. And the big. Infinity Tournament, man. They their their boards. Some of those boards are really sick looking. Yeah, that's. I, I think I'm that's one of the other selling points of it too. Watch any Infinity. For sure. So you should have mentioned that during the debate, Rudy. Whoopsie poopsie. <laughs> you did a little bit, but it, it did, yeah. So very cool. They both sound like excellent tournaments. Obviously, you should go to both. Yeah, but that's the real winner. Justin won, going to so he, so you know he he definitely go to breaching the foe first. Unless you <laughs> live in Portland, they go to both. All right. Well, the if you're going to breaching the foe first, be... you can then come back for OCC because it comes after in the calendar year. Yeah, just. I would say the deciding factor should be what kind of character, what what sort of player you are. If you're more in it for the fun and sort of casual social aspect, then breaching the foe is definitely your tournament. If you want to play really cutthroat GG 2016, then OFCC is your thing. It's not that cutthroat though, because we we were definitely into like we definitely tried to make sure that people were having fun even when they weren't winning. If you want to play it cutthroat, we do have we do have a tournament coming up at the in the in the fourth weekend of September that is going to be a like a straight up gaining grounds tournament that is going to be run by Josh because he told me that if I ran OFCC and kept it fun, which I did, mm-hmm. I mean I, I think running a Malifaux tournament that's not fun is way harder than trying to keep it fun. Uh, that he would run and publicize a large-scale Malifaux tournament. So if you are able to get out here at the end of September, uh, we're going to have a major uh, tournament then. Is that, is that, right, cool. Yeah, it's in September. Yeah. And also, also, uh, the, the West Coast TFL League, which is something that's sort of been making the rounds, uh, from what I hear, might also be being hosted in Portland. Um, so we might be having another major uh, tournament, though I believe it, in, it, it is league players only, um, West Coast league players only. It's coming at the end of December, or at the beginning of So we're going to have a few pretty uh, tasty little tournaments coming up for the next few months. Very cool. Very cool. Although I heard that the TO for OFCC is kind of a dick. It doesn't want you to ask him questions. Oh, so. No, definitely true. Definitely true. Like he, he made an achievement for not bothering him. What an asshole! I think I scored that every game too. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Well, this was great, and uh, I think we should wrap it up as Rudy's got to run in a little few minutes. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening to the Mistakes Were Made podcast. Uh, I am. Oh uh, wait, no. You can find us on Twitter at uh, MWM Podcast, <laughs> or uh, our individual Twitter handles. Which maybe I'll just edit Adam Sangham in from last episode because it was so good. What did he do? He just said them go all. Back he just knew them, man. He just knew them. Knew them because I I know them all off the top of my dome too, man. I don't. Know, yeah, I I probably could, but I could never spell your last name. He spelled your last oh, name right spelled, and everything. What? Yeah. Remind me to give that guy a high five and or buy him a drink because that is impressive. <laughs> anyway, 
So thanks everybody for listening on Twitter at the MWM podcast, and uh, we will talk at you some other time. Send no. us uh, debate oh, topics yeah, at mwmpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, or on Twitter. Who cares? Wherever. Anywhere. All right, and thank you, Justin, yeah. for being on. This was a fun Yeah, time. thanks for having me. And say hi to Ken for me, too. No, I don't see <laughs> I Ken I haven't anymore. seen him since Breaching the Phone. <laughs> I don't see Ken anymore. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, maybe, if he's listening to this, hi, Ken, too. Yeah, there you go. Hi, Sorry. Ken. <laughs> yes, you, uh, congratulations on the wedding that's coming up that I don't get to go to. <laughs> I have I have RSVP that I can't be in all the rolling and the rolling.